Peter Marie are based in Big Lake, is that right? Uh, Elk River. River. Thank you. Elk River in Minnesota, uh, which is in the cold part of uh, America. They should be below zero right now, but they're not. They're in a heat wave. Um, and so Ian Marie used to be our, our youth pastors back when we were in Campbelltown a few years ago. Uh, they've been ministering in the U.S. for since 1996, I think you guys left, uh, 1997. Ian will correct me later anyway. Um, uh, they uh, have been involved in ministry, they've, they've, plant, they've, they've planted churches, they've run churches, they've been involved in overseeing apostolic ministries across the globe. Uh, Ian will probably give you a bit more of an accurate summary of what, what he's been doing. Um, but I'd like to get them both up on the stage as we welcome both. Let's give a big hand as they come. So this, this one, this one is Ian, and this one is Marie. Marie, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, those of your family that aren't here? Okay, so um, when we moved to the US in 2000 to to stay permanently, um, we have our sons were just uh, 15 and 12. All right, I'll be quick. I'll be quick. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let me just say, let me encourage you with this. this that um, we now have, um, of course, our two sons. We have, they married American girls, so we have five grandchildren. And uh, many years ago, when the Lord first asked us to move, I was like, that's not going to be good for our kids, Lord. That's going to be not good. And the Lord basically said to me, if you don't move, you're going to stop what I want to do in your children's lives. How would you like to have the Lord say that to you? <laughs> So all in all, I just want to encourage you, wherever you are in your journey with the Lord, that he is with you. He's got his hand out. He's like, come on, come on. And I, I just think of uh, when he called Peter out of the boat. When the Lord calls you out of a place of perceived safety, you've got to listen to him, even if the storm's going on and going around, you know. So I want to encourage you, wherever you are in your walk with the Lord, Yes, we're all going to face some storms, but the Lord would be like, come on, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, very good. That's good. All right, okay. Good work. So uh, that's it. If you guys can sit down, the sermon's done. So it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> come tonight. So, uh, now, I'm now going to just, uh, Ian, we really value you guys. We've sort of seen what God's done in your life. And Ali and I have been watching, and you've been watching us, I know, and we've had Ian ministered with us, been uh, back in Shepparton, and so it's such a privilege. Really is to have us. I just uh, had you with us today, and I just sensed in God that this is the, the time to bring you in. And so uh, I'm looking forward to what God shares uh, through you into our community this morning. Over to you. Thank you so much. Good to see you guys. Watching and hearing what God's doing here in Hunter. Um, so it's good to finally be with you. Well, as uh, Marie tried to explain and Mark tried to explain, we've been doing. Uh, ministry for a long time. Uh, end of 95, the Lord called us to hit the road, and uh, sometimes it felt the road hit us, but we we went out and uh, we just trusted God. You know, you hear people living by faith. We've done that for the last almost 30 years, and God is faithful. He watches over his word to perform it, and it, that's not to say it's been without challenges. And uh, I remember one time early in the in our traveling, uh, we were some friends in America let us live in their basement, 
and we had we had like four dollars left in our checking account. I'm I'm not even exaggerating this. This is four dollars left in our checking account. Credit cards crying for mercy, and I'm I'm laying awake all night, tossing and turning. And eventually, at 5 a.m., I realized Marie'd been awake as well. And she turns over to me. She says. I know Jesus is in the boat, but don't you think we should wake him up now? <laughs> and at times it feels like that. But our testimony is he is faithful above and beyond all that we can ask or think. And uh, he's watched, he's seen us through, taken us places that I never thought I'd be. Uh, as a kid growing up in India, and no, we didn't know Mark in India. <laughs> As a kid growing up in India, uh, I never went more than two miles from home. If you could walk or get there in a rickshaw, that's where we went. But our lives revolved around our church and our home and our school, and that was it. And then in 1972, the Lord uh, made a way for our family to migrate to Australia. And uh, we, we thrived and flourished here. And, uh, and God said in, oh, I don't know, 78, uh, I was taking a year off school, I was 79, sorry, I was taking a year off school and I was going to join the Air Force and become a pilot and, you know, fly jets and have great uniforms and big muscles and girls dripping off my arms and the whole bit. And, uh, and the Lord said, um, forget the Air Force, go to Bible school, you're going to be a preacher. And I was like, no. I love you, but I want to be a pilot. And six months I wrestled with God. Long story short, God won. You guys know that story? Um, you know, don't, don't get mad at God. Don't try to fight with God. He's going to win. If he doesn't win, you're in rebellion. There wasn't a lot of laughs for that one. But you know, so, so we, we uh, I made the decision went off to Bible school, never dreaming that God would have me uh, where he's got me today. And I'm not a big name. You know, I'm not famous. I'm not rich. I, I don't even think I'm good looking sometimes. Uh, you know, I, I, I actually, I put on my glasses this morning to have a shave. And I went, ah. Then I took my glasses off. And I that looks better. <laughs> And you know, I believe, I believe fading eyesight as we get older is God's way of airbrushing our wrinkles. <laughs> and so, but you know, here's the thing, it's not about how you look, it's not about how famous you are, it's not about what platform, what connections, which self-help books you read, or what, it's not about any of that. You know, I went, early in my ministry, we, we were taught, you know, you've got to have a two-year vision, you've got to have a three-year vision, you've got to have a five-year vision, you've got to have a ten-year vision. And I've talked to guys that map their lives out with no space for anything except following what they wrote down, and they ended up locked into that, which often may not have been the best idea. And I, I understand the value of vision, but my heart these days, especially as I get older, is when I wake up in the morning, my prayer is, I just want to do what you tell me to do today. And then when I go to bed at night, my prayer is, please don't let us snore. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> I 
Actually, that's her prayer. Please don't let him snore. Now, my prayer at night is, I did what you wanted me to do. And if I didn't, forgive me and show me how to do better tomorrow. And church, for the last 30 years almost, that's what we've been doing. People keep asking me, Where's, where, do you, where are you going next? What are you doing? Well, how, what's your vision for going into this place or that place? And my vision for going into this place or that place is, I just want to follow Jesus. Yeah. People, keep, uh, people keep asking me all the time, oh, you go to this place, you go to India, you go to Africa, you go, how many demons do you see? What type of demons do you see? I'm not looking for demons. I'm, I'm my full-time job is keeping my eyes on Jesus. And it doesn't matter what demons come at me. I'm following what Jesus tells me to do rather than trying to fight up the demons that are trying to derail me. And so I, I would encourage you today, let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's focus on him. So probably 70% of what we do now is in the missions area as we go to developing third world countries. And uh, I have the awesome privilege, which I still shake my head at sometimes, of teaching pastors and leaders uh, in local churches. Um, you know, we, God is changing the, the view of missions. Missions is not about going to India or Pakistan or Africa and doing uh, an evangelistic crusade for half a million people. Missions is about going these places and training people to be disciple makers. Yeah. I've been in nations where they've done those types of things. And, and, and the church hasn't really grown uh, according to the stats we see coming back from those crusades. Now I'm not saying crusades are wrong. I'm saying Jesus said make disciples. So just to mess with some of your theology now, Jesus never said, go out and hold an evangelistic crusade. <laughs> Jesus said, go make disciples. And to model how that's done, Jesus spent three and a half years with the same people. And then he said, okay guys, now go do it. And that's when God began to move through the people that he had discipled. And so, I think if it's a good enough model for Jesus, I'm going to try it. And I want to make disciples. I want to tell people about Jesus for sure. And we don't, uh, I've been in 26 nations to preach the gospel so far. And not bad for a guy that never went two miles from home. And I, I've preached in 26 nations. In a couple of weeks, it's going to be 27. Um, and my, my thoughts in going in is, uh, let's see what kind of relationship we can build in order to have some ongoing discipleship relationship with these people so that if there's ever a time when I can't go, there's a deposit that's been left there. And uh, that should have been a model in the Bible, shouldn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to preach uh, for a few minutes today on the unshakable kingdom of God. Uh, unless you've been living in a cave for the last four years, there has been some shaking that has happened in the earth. And things that we thought were secure, things that we thought we could rely on, were shaken, many of them demolished, and all the things that we held dear seemed to be stripped away from us, whether we liked it or not. 
And I'm not going to get into the politics or the, or the procedures of all the things that have happened in the last four years because the truth is shaking has been happening uh, since time began. God shook the nations. God shook Abraham. God shook Sodom and Gomorrah. God shook the Egyptians. God shook the Israelites. God, the shaking has been going on and on and on. And so I started to wonder, why is this shaking happening? And there's a passage in Hebrews chapter 12, and verse, starting at verse 26. If you've got your Bibles, please uh, follow along with me. Hebrews 12, 26, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. Now, just, that's not talking about me. That's talking about the Lord, his spirit. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on the earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. So through the ages, through history, God has been speaking to his people. He has said, he has sent prophets, he has sent priests, he has sent kings, he's given them the law, he's given them the word, and he has spoken and people kept ignoring and refusing the word of the Lord. And then, and, and so the Lord says, see that you do not refuse him, because then he sends Jesus from heaven, and, and, uh, and he's telling us now, don't refuse him, because uh, we shall not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now he has promised, saying, yet once more. And there's a lot more uh, history in those passages that I'm giving you now for the sake of time, okay? So bear with me. Uh, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of the things that are being shaken as of things that are being made, that the things which cannot be shaken will remain. That's a mouthful of a sentence. We'll come back to explaining that in a minute. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, underline those three words, cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Now, without taking specific times and events in world history, we've seen things shaken. You know, in, in World War II, we saw the, uh, the whole thing with fascism and with Hitler uh, trying to take over the world and the Jews being killed and even Christian churches being brought down. Uh, you got Pol Pot, you got the rise of communism, and you've got all these other things that have been going on, not just in geopolitical conflict, but very often in cultural change. In the 60s, we had the rise of the anti-establishmentarianism and the, and the hippie movement and the sexual revolution. And all of these things shook the establishment. And people were wondering, God, what is happening here? You're shaking the things that we're comfortable with. And that's exactly what God was doing. He's shaking the things that we're comfortable with. Because very often, I don't know how many of you discovered, when you get too comfortable, that's when the shaking starts to happen. Because God is not, uh, let, me, let me say this nicely and advisedly, God is not interested in your comfort level. He's interested in the purposes of his kingdom yeah. being established in the earth. Yeah, very good. 
Matthew chapter 6. How should we pray? <coughs> Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on the earth according to my comfort level. <laughs> come on, you, 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 you're going to do a sing on prayer. And you're going to find out that your prayer requests are not about a better life, a richer life, a, a good, better looking wife, a better looking husband. It's not going to be about all that. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And show me what I should do to be part of that. Yes, very good. It's good. And so when the shaking comes, it's not always the devil that is doing the shaking. In fact, I can almost guarantee most often it's not the devil doing the shaking. Because it's God saying, you know what? You guys are starting to miss out a little bit. You're starting to miss the mark, so I'm going to shake it up. I'm just going to shake it up some. And we sit back wondering, God, what are you doing? COVID hits. It's like, oh no! Can't, oh, oh, let, let me just do one little challenge about COVID, okay? I know there's different opinions and people, you know, have their theories and their conspiracy theories and their medical theories and their shoulda, woulda, coulda theories. But can you imagine what would have happened in February, March, 2020, if when this contagion started to take hold, if some Bible-believing, spiritual Christians just went out and did what the Bible said and laid hands on the sick. Oh, but they were contagious. Can you imagine Jesus going to the lepers and saying, now, guys, you've got to be socially distant. I, I can't touch you because you're not wearing a mask. Now, I'm not saying we should be silly. I think we need to be careful. The Bible's been telling us 4,000 years to wash our hands. And back then, you didn't have to sing two verses of Jingle Bells before your hands were clean. <laughs> See, so the Bible has been given a sound advice. But I think we as Christians saw this as a demonic thing, and so we sat back, and, and, you know, some of us might have prayed, oh, God, deliver us from this. See, God's given us the tools to walk out in the time of shaking and recognize that he wants to reveal and manifest his purposes, his people, his power in the earth through you. Yeah. What's your name? You're not sure? Would you like another chance at that? Caden. Didn't I say that? That's the plural. All right. My daughter. Caden. Given you his Holy Spirit. And that's why 
you know, when the Lord first started to use me and challenge me to do things, I'll never forget the first time someone was healed when I prayed for them. It was like, oh, wow, it works. <laughs> and then you, you move on to the next. Because it's not about how convenient the circumstances are. It's about when God is moving on your heart to touch people and you don't have to have the platform like I do or Pastor Mark or Pastor Ali does. You you've got a platform with the people that you are connected with. These signs will follow those who are big name missionary stars. No! These signs will follow those who believe. Are you a believer in Jesus today? Yeah, there you go. We'll issue you a certificate. You can go around laying hands on people. You know, why are we waiting for all that recognition stuff when heaven's already recognized you? And so when the shaking comes, God is not looking for the big names to stand up and take charge. I'll tell you, we have become so reliant on celebrity figures to lead us. God help us when Taylor Swift is telling us how to vote. Or Madonna, or... You know, I mean, these people that couldn't speak. Have you heard some of these movie stars when they don't have a script? And they need people to write a script for them so they know what to say. And then they're trying to give us spiritual advice and political advice and all the rest of it. And here we are, God's people, of whom God said, the word of faith is near you. It's even in your mouth. You know, I used to be a stutterer and a bad speaker. That's what I was told when I was 14. You will never make a person who can stand up in front of people and speak. I was told that. And then for the next four or five years, I thought, well, just as well, I don't need to speak in front of people. I can be strapped in an airplane, 38, 40,000 feet. That'll do me. And the Lord says, go to Bible school. And they're like, no, I can't speak. Moses did that with the Lord, remember? I, I, I don't speak real good. And, uh, but then when you see Moses and Aaron coming before Pharaoh, it's Moses is the one that's doing the speaking. And, I, and I, I did that. And when the Lord said, go to Bible school, I thought, all right, give it to me in writing, and I'll go. I was reading, my devotional reading was in 1 Corinthians that week. 1 Corinthians 9, 16 says, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel, for necessity is laid upon me. And I'm going, oh no! But I thought, okay, you back me into a corner, I'll go to Bible school. First week in Bible school. First week in Bible school. They said to us, okay, everyone in this class is going to do a two-minute uh, preach. And we're going to videotape you. And we're going to assess you. And then at the end of the Bible school, we're going to do another two-minute speak, and we're going to see how you've developed. And my thought was, hey, if you are going to flunk out of Bible school, you might as well flunk out before you have to pay a whole bunch of fees. <laughs> and I knew I didn't have what it took. But I stood up. I prepared my message. I prepared 12 pages of notes and 40 scriptures for a two-minute 
I was so nervous, I was holding on to the lectern and I was shaking, and I couldn't read my notes anyway. I'm not making this up, church, this happened. And, I, and I'm there, and I'm going, oh, Jesus, help me. And suddenly something clicked, the power of the Holy Spirit clicked in my heart, and I was preaching. My theme scripture was 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man's a new Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Never realizing how prophetic that particular message was to me. And I, and I started to quote the scripture, and I felt the Lord just coming and stir me up. And I stepped away from the lectern, and I started to preach with all my heart. And I want to tell you, I was good. <laughs> But I preached and I realized something had happened. This, is, this was not Ian's ability. This was the Holy Spirit's ability using Ian to preach the gospel. And I began to speak as the Lord enabled me. I have now been preaching for over 40 years. And this is not a boast or anything. Because sometimes I only preach to two or three people. But it's like, where do you want, to, want me to go? What do you want me to do? I'll do that. And now I'm preaching maybe 250, 300 times a year as I travel. And I, I, I'm just like, every time I get up to preach, even this morning, every time I get up to preach, my prayer is, Lord, would you do it just one more time? Do it just one more time. I don't have what this takes, but you do. Yeah. And see, so when, when all this stuff starts to happen, when we face crises, whether it's in our society, whether it's in our personal lives or our family, we don't know what to do, but we lean on Him. When the shaking comes, He is the anchor that keeps our soul. When the shaking comes, He is the strong teller into whom we can run into and find refuge. When the shaking comes, the house is built on the chief cornerstone. He's the foundation. That, that was from the scripture. You can say amen to that. But you know, things have been shaken in our world recently. The, the, the idol of celebrity is coming down, church. And I know it's nice to have a superstar minister or a superstar politician or a superstar, superstar come in and, and make us feel good about our lives. But he's chosen you to reveal the glory of God on the earth. He's chosen you. I don't know what to, I can't speak. Well, okay, I can work with that, he says. I don't know what to do. And the Lord says, I can work with that. There's this passage in the um, first Chronicles 20, when all these armies are coming against Jehoshaphat, and they, they call for a prayer meeting. And uh, the king, who's supposed to be leading the army and defending the nation, he stands up in front of the people. He goes, what? We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And God gives him the strategy. Because it's not about you. It's about what he can do. The times of shaking is so that he can be revealed. The time of shaking, the time of crisis, is so that the answer that he has can be revealed in and through you. I mean, too often we sit around waiting for the miracle to fall from heaven. You're the miracle. Now, I'm not trying to be some new agey, positive thinking kind of guy, but the miracle is you. 
The miracle, the revelation of the miracle comes through you. It's the Holy Spirit working through you. And so, you, you know, you can go to Bible school, you can go to uh, postgraduate stuff. Listen, I don't care if you've got more degrees than a thermometer. But if the Holy Spirit is not working and bringing the revelation through you, then it's all for nothing. And we, we got people on television these days that, you know, they got triple PhDs and all the rest of it trying to tell us what to do. And what we need is some Holy Spirit-filled people that know the word of the Lord or allow the Lord to lead them to come in and say, in Jesus' name. And so we've, we've had this shaking. I, uh, idolatry has been shaken and will continue to be shaken. Church, don't go back into the idolatry of looking to celebrities to lead you. And I really, really like Taylor Swift. It's just as an aside here, this is not the Holy Spirit, this is me. Uh, anyone else sick of Taylor Swift? The idol of affluence has been shaken. People that depended on businesses that had been in the family for generations, suddenly they were wiped out. And they had to go back to something that was more organic to provide for them. You know, when, when COVID happened, uh, the day they actually locked down in the US, I was five hours from getting on a plane to go minister in Zambia. And uh, it, it, was, it was heart wrenching, but we had to cancel the trip five hours before I was due to get on the plane. And then over the next few days, I saw four months of ministry just disappear from my calendar because people were so unsure now. You know, for, for us, we depend on being out on the road because uh, that's where our income comes from and the, and the faithful support of people. And, you know, I, I'm not trying to make an appeal here, but that's how it worked for us. So I'm sitting there at my desk wiping things off my calendar and the Lord says, okay, I don't want you to ask for money anymore. And like, well, it's easy for you to say, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. And the Lord said, don't ask for money. I'm not going to supply according to your need. I'm going to supply according to my riches and glory. That's very good. That's really good. Except the gas company doesn't accept that as payment. <laughs> and so... You know, we made the commitment to the Lord, and, and I, I did a Friday night thing on Facebook and shared the gospel. I was telling Mark last night, over the two and a half years that we never went anywhere, God began to move on people's hearts. And it wasn't rich people's hearts. You know, we pray, oh, Lord, if we just have a couple of millionaires in our church and they tithe, we'll be good. <laughs> I've prayed that prayer. Like, Lord, bring me a couple millionaires in, in my ministry to stand with me and I'll, I'll be okay. Let me, you know, I know gambling's wrong, but let me win one Powerball jackpot. <laughs> I'll be good. I'll share it with others. <laughs> Don't go out and buy lottery tickets, please, because I said so. But if you do, share it with me. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. God supplies according to his riches in glory. And for two and a half years, 
instead of raising money so we could go do stuff, God was supplying our needs and we were giving money away to other people. Because, see, when the time of shaking comes, it's not my ability to raise money, it's God's ability to supply our needs. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when I'm canceling, um, Marie can tell you, when I was canceling these ministries, I was, I, I'm not a fearful kind of person, but man, I was like, what's happening here, Jesus? And then little by little, I, one time, I went online. We, we had an online portal for giving, like all good Christians. And, and, I'm looking, and I'm looking at this name. This guy sent us like $43 or something. And I'm looking, I'm thinking, where do I know that name from? And then the bell rang, and I realized it was a guy I went to high school with. Back when we used to use hammer and chisel on the tablets of stone to take notes. And, and so I, I'm looking at this name, and we honestly, in the final year of school, we voted this guy most likely to die in jail. <laughs> I'm serious. This guy, he was a stoner. He was everything bad about being a teenager, this guy embodied it. And I never, I hadn't even thought of him for 40 years. And, and I'm, I'm looking at this name and, you know, when he had to put a, an email address, so I sent him, no, hey God, you know, I haven't heard from you for a long time. I appreciate your donation. Can you tell me what motivated you to do this, you know? Thinking that he's become some big preacher around the world. And he goes, he goes, oh, I've been in jail for a while, and uh, well, that prophecy was true. And, and he said, oh, I've been in jail for a while, and we're, you know, I, I was just listening uh, as he was speaking on Facebook Live the other week, and he said, I don't have much time for the God stuff, but for the first time, what you were saying made sense to me. And so I thought I'd send you some money. And God did that over and over again. Here's, here's my testimony, church. I didn't download this message on the internet, all right? I've lived this. God wants to show himself strong in the time of shaking. Because the shaking is not to destroy you. The shaking is to destroy the things that are not of God so that the things that are of God will remain. And we fret about some of the things we lose in our lives. And certainly, some of the things are extremely valuable. But the word of the Lord is, let's strengthen what remains. And yes, we can grieve over the things we have lost. But we can't strengthen the things that we've lost. We can, however, through the Lord, strengthen that which he has left. That which remains. And so... Um, now, I, I can talk about a lot of stuff that God's shaking, but let me say this. Uh, the modern church, and I love so many things about the modern church. I love the fact that we are sitting in a building with proper chairs and a ceiling and fans. I've been in places where they have bamboo sticks, a little bit of thatch roofs, birds flying in and out, rats running around the place, and the, the benches are little split logs that you can take with you in the seat of your pants as you leave the building. 
And so, you know, I, I've been in those places, so I thank God for some of the modern amenities that we have. But see, the church in, the, in this current era has become so used to events rather than the organic gathering together unto Him. Understand what I'm saying here? The church is not about coming together once a week and singing a few songs and listening to a message, putting some offering in the, in the offering bucket, having a closing prayer, Lord bless you and keep you by, let's go have lunch. Yeah, we, we get together, and it's good to get together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. But the, the concept of church, I believe, got shaken through this last little season that we went through. And people have been coming to me, you know, we, we leave this network, and pastors were coming to me, I can't wait for things to get back to normal so that we can go back to church the way it was. And I'm sitting there wondering, does God really want church to go back the way it was? Is this an opportunity to do what He wanted us to do all along? And, and, you know, there may be times when what we were doing was good enough. But the goal of coming together is not about getting our own selfish souls fed. And, and I'm not being mean by saying that, but very often, you know, it's like, well, you know, they, they sang my favorite song at church. It was good worship. What happens when they don't sing your favorite song? Is it still worshiping the Lord, just not the song you chose? Well, you know, I, I've just had enough of sloppy wet kisses. I know I don't use those words. But you know, people get all bent out of shape because one or two phrases do not, or, or one or two phrases really gets their goat going. And, you know, and, and I'm not saying that it's right to use anything we want. But here's the thing, church. It's not about your favorite stuff happening when you come in. It's about God revealing himself to you as you come in and strengthening you to go out again to bring healing and restoration to all those other things that are being shaken out there as well. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you getting this? Because if you know, I'll preach another message if you want. We can start again. Here's the thing. The goal of the event is about representing Christ. Not competing with a show that will rival the final round of Australian Idol. Transformation is a process. The repairing of the broken foundations is a process. The rebuilding of things that have crumbled is a process. And sometimes that process includes trials, includes dark places, it includes even shaking. You know, we were in, um, I had a team in Haiti in 2010 when the earthquake hit. I actually got out of Haiti hours before the earthquake hit. And my team, I had a team of four or five people that stayed there because they were going to work on, we had an orphanage that was in the process of being built. They were going to work on that and do a few more church meetings and stuff. It was great. I had to come back to the States for a conference. So I land in Minneapolis and Marie picked me up from the airport. As we're driving home, I get this text saying, we're safe in the earthquake. And I'm going, who's safe in what earthquake? And then I get home and I turn on the television like every good Christian does. 
And, and there's this thing playing out on the screen in front of me that, hey, the place where I just was a few hours ago crumbled to the ground. And we didn't realize it at the time, but later we found out 270,000 people lost their lives. Two weeks later, a builder friend of mine and myself and one other person, we got on a plane, flew to the Dominican Republic and bust into Haiti and were looking at the devastation. And what had happened was they built their buildings out of concrete, but they didn't build them strong enough for an earthquake. They built them strong enough to stand, but when the shaking came, they weren't enough to stand. Instead of using, I don't know what the formula is, but instead of using the right formula for concrete, they compromised on the formula so they could save a few bucks. And instead of using the right amount of rebar, they would use two or three pieces of rebar on the pillars, and they never, they never tied the roofs into the walls so that the slightest shaking that came, the whole thing came down. It's not that they didn't have buildings. It's not that they shouldn't have had the buildings. But the fact is that they should have done the buildings in the right way. And when it came time to rebuild the stuff, and we went and helped them rebuild the school, we made sure that when we built it, we strengthened what was left behind. And so we made sure that the formula for concrete was stronger than what was there before. We made sure that the pillars and the roof lines were all tied together so it wouldn't collapse. The thing that killed people was that because the roofs were tied to the walls, it pancaked down and crushed people underneath. That's how 270,000 people were killed. And so we made sure we built it together. Here's what I believe God is saying. You can take this prophetically or not, but you know, it, uh, we, I've seen this with mud huts in Africa. You know, they put a piece of bamboo there, and instead of instead of putting uh, struts and joists and stuff uh, every every so many centimeters on center, so to be strong, they'll they'll compromise. So instead of uh, 40, 40 centimeters on center, they would take it out to two meters on center. And so this thing. This thing's looking really shaky and we're standing under there and Africans are dancing and going on and I'm thinking, oh Jesus, please don't let this fall. But it served its purpose, but if we want something bigger, this is the point I'm getting to, if we want something bigger, if we want something stronger, then some of those things that have served as pillars to hold the building up need to be strengthened. Come on. Now, I, I've not been asked to say anything about this, but hear the word of the Lord. You might have been around since Adam was a boy. But God is doing something fresh. And so allow him to strengthen what remains. Boy, that should be in scripture, shouldn't it? So, Sam, come here and help me. Let's pretend that this man has been a pillar in the church for hundreds of years. And he served his purpose. The building has survived. But now the Lord wants to use him, not just for a church of 20 or 50, but the Lord wants to use him as a pillar in a body of about 5,000 people. The pillar, as it is right now, is not strong enough for the building for 5,000 people. Gee, so, I'm preaching this. Sorry, my bad. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> 
So God brings other pillars. God brings other pillars to strengthen what remains. <laughs> Is something going on that I should know that? <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, but see, see, and they join, and it might, come on, pay attention. It might, it might not be enough, so God brings another pillar. Just get And he joins, and, and he'll position these pillars. You know, you might think, well, he'd look better there because he's better looking, but no. God might say, God might say, he needs strengthening on this side. So God will say, and eventually God will bring however many pillars he needs to join together because the house is not for 30 or 40 people anymore. The house is for thousands of people. That sounded a lot better in my head this morning. <laughs> Thanks, guys. You can go and sit down. Don't worry, I'm hearing some of this for the first time too. Right, right. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Just because you've done it one way, oh, sorry. <laughs> Just because you've done it one way and that's how it worked, doesn't mean that God can't use that. He's just going to use it differently. He's going to add to it. Can I say this? And, and I've, got, I've got a lot of notes left to preach in this in this message, but I want to close with saying this. And you can receive it prophetically or just, you know, because I'm a nice guy and I want to make you feel good. But I can see the Lord strengthening foundations and strengthening pillars in this body so that the house, the capacity of the house will be greater than it ever has been before. The things that have been damaged the things that have been shaken have been shaken and whatever history has come from that and gone from that is done. But God is rebuilding his house. He's rebuilding the structure so that the glory of the ladder, here's something else that should be in scripture, so that the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. It might not look like you wanted it to look. It might not look the same. That's why Haggai says to them, like, how many of you think this doesn't look the same as before? And everyone goes, me, I don't like the way it looks. And then I say, uh, and, and Haggai says, yeah, but the silver and gold is mine, says the Lord. It's not about how much you can decorate this place with your silver and gold. It's not about how, much, how many people you can fit in the building. It's whether this building is able to contain my glory, because my glory is going to be greater than it ever has before. Now, I got, I got tons of stuff more, but I feel this is what the Lord wants to say to us as a church this morning. So when the times of shaking come and go, yes, we might grieve for the things that we have lost, but we are still here. We are still here. And God says, okay, I want you to strengthen the things that remain. And I want you to look for the greater revelation of glory of my purpose, not your preference. That might be a bit strong for the first time meeting me, 
But church, I didn't come here just so you would like me. I came here with an assignment to tell you what God is saying. Yeah. And if you're going to like me, like me for that. Because as uncomfortable as it might get sometimes, there's a greater thing that God is speaking to each of you. Whether you've been here for 100 years or five minutes, there's a greater thing that God wants to do and the times of shaking that have come and gone and what has been left behind is for the revelation of the glory of God. The end. Huh. I'm going to ask Pastor Mark to come and, and do what he needs to do to close. We're going to stay here. I, I recognize that in a message like that I've been preaching for the congregation generally, but I, all the time I'm preaching, I'm sensing that there are individual lives, maybe some families that have gone through some stuff, and you're wondering what's it all about, God. Uh, I want to take some time to stand with you and pray with you and ask God to reveal his plan to you. I don't promise that it'll all be peaches and cream when you're walking out, but I do believe God does miracles. And the greatest miracle is getting us to listen to what he's saying. So that's, that's our goal. We want to stick around. We, we, we love these guys so much. It was so good to come back and see them. But I believe God didn't bring us back just to reconnect an old friendship, but to speak something here. Uh, so we'll do that. Tonight we, we'll take some more. I won't preach as long this time. Uh, tonight we'll take some more time for personal ministry as well. All right. But... I do want to pray for you, whatever your name is. Uh, so when, when they dismiss the meeting, would you come let me do that? All right. You still like me? It's up for the hands of together and appreciation for our community.